Yeah, we've got a long way to go, but I hope uh, as everybody looks around this room, you are reminded of the extraordinary progress that we have made. Not just in our lifetimes, but in the last five years. In the last two years. In the last one year. We're on the right side of history. I'm going to sign this executive order. Thank you, everybody. You are on the wrong side of history. Hello and welcome to The Wrong Side of History. I'm Russell Terman. And I'm Matt Aronson. And we are here... To answer your questions. Sort of. Except for really, Wait, we're nope. here to answer our own questions. Uh, <laughs> answer the questions we know you have. That's right. Certainly we would have if we were you. Certainly all reasonable people would have. Yes. Like, what's happening right now? <laughs> why is the world collapsing? <laughs> why is every why is every person with any kind of coherent ideology in complete despair? Wow. At once. What is this? <laughs> what is, like, how is it that Ted Cruz doesn't endorse Donald Trump and he gets booed off stage and and Bernie Sanders does endorse Hillary Clinton, <laughs> and he gets booed off stage. Everyone's being booed off stage. There's a lot of booing. Debbie Wasserman Schultz can't even gavel over the sound of the boos. And somehow Putin is in the middle of it all. And somehow the Russians are interfering with American politics. And it's not even the 19... 19- before the 1990s it's this is unreal folks you can't make this up and but it's some fun ways, in some ways it's so entertaining um i think i was to listening here. to something by ben shapiro earlier and he had the this delicious idea that you know now hillary's running scared because they're like james comey said there was a chance that the russians had managed to get into her private email server now she must be terrified that four days before the election, the Russians are going to release all of her deleted emails from oh, the server. I, I mean, first of all, they've released a bunch of emails right. already. Right. Right. Not from the server, but from the State Department. Mm. Um, like, this is not impossible. And if they are actually in the tank for Donald Trump, which it certainly appears that they are at least that they, are. that they at least think of him as a more useful idiot than Hillary Clinton, <laughs> which is saying something, considering yeah. it was Hillary Clinton's foreign policy that let them have huge hunks of Ukraine and um, run Syrian policy yeah. <laughs> and run circles around us in every diplomatic it's, adventure it's a, that we've had, which is just underlines how how what a terrible idea Trump is that they think he's a better idea for them. Right, right. Um, but anyway, we're going to get into it every year. That's not true. Every, every <laughs> election cycle, uh, you have the, these big parties, a party for the party, a party party, a party party, as it were, uh, where people of every stripe, so long as they subscribe to one of two very specific ideologies come to, uh, to usually a terrible city. Um, yes, with very frequently with a terrible all kinds city. of problems, usually in a battleground state, mm. as if it has any influence on what will happen. Mm. Uh, Tampa, yeah, won that state. <laughs> wink. Uh, but uh, this time, Cleveland and yeah, Philly. Yes, well, talk about terrible. I mean, in Cleveland, like the governor of Ohio didn't even come. Right? right. And he was a Republican. I know. Okay. Anyway, we're not going to we'll get there. But yeah. but yes, 
So essentially what it is, if you look at the speaker list for these sorts of things, essentially every person in the world comes <laughs> and they all speak and they take turns speaking all day long. I have a couple of friends who are delegates at both of these conventions. As what? Of fact. Yes. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, I That's know. I, I'm finally getting old because yeah. the people I know who at first were just like people who knew about politics suddenly are people who are shaping it uh, <laughs> that's kind of insane actually yes, i know it's very also unpleasant. how can we do that as I, soon as possible no it's okay i don't know if i really want to get involved at this juncture <laughs> yeah well that's a good uh, point we'll get might to want that. to lay low for a couple <laughs> years uh, right, right. until the madness clears however if it ever does uh but yes they're shaping policy and many of the people i know who are delegates are the people who I want to shape policy. Well, that's good. I know. Usually all the people I know who are actually in a position to have an impact on politics are the people I know who absolutely should go nowhere near power because they're mm. insane. Yes. Um, or, in fact, Hillary Clinton. But that, <laughs> uh, I don't know Hillary Clinton, but I know lots of Hillary Clintons in training. A shocking amount of Hillary Clinton's in training. Yes, I can think of one in particular. <laughs> yes, uh, I can think of several, but yes, that is the big one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the catch of the day, as it were. Um, yes. But nonetheless, enough shaming my friends. The point is, <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, these conventions, they set rules, um, they set party platforms um, going forward. And these things, I mean, it, a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, what was different, right? Mm. Our Democrats can be like, we want abortion more than we already do, right? right? It's not like they're going to do that. But of course, these things actually do make a tremendous amount of difference. And these subtle changes are do reflect changes within the party. One of the things that I researched last year in my academic position was, um, was how party platforms have changed over time, mm. particularly on abortion, for example. Mm. And it's crazy to watch the Democrats go from no abortion to less abortion, to, you know, the famous uh, safe, safe, legal, rare, safe, legal, rare, to safe and legal, <laughs> and just leave the rare <laughs> off. Hey, there is sort of this to just legal, yeah, legal and fun. Yeah, legal and, <laughs> legal and required. <laughs> Mandatory abortion. Yes, well, uh, they're not there yet. Even um, then. And they probably won't get there until Jill Stein wins. Um, because <laughs> let's face it, the only answer to the environmental problem is sterilization. Um, <laughs> let, let's face it. it I mean, I've He's not heard, wrong. I've heard Greens talking about this. Um, and they don't want to say it. They don't want to talk about it. That's definitely but we do. It's coming, right? I mean, that is the solution. When you watch a video and it's like, look at this planet breathing, but it can't breathe because of all these people choking, choking it, it up. There is, there is one answer to this, right? The, the answers are either mm. revert to the Stone Age and good luck. That's um, a good idea. And people like that, too. Uh, reverting mm. to the Stone Age mm. um, to get rid of all modern technology. or So that fewer people can survive <laughs> because technology is the only way we can feed this many people. Right. Uh, exactly. Uh, intentionally leaving a huge group of people out of the economy or out of the global mm. technology loop. Um, which is insane, uh, or mass euthanasia. So it's it's coming because the last of those solutions is honestly the easiest to justify right. based on the current position of progressive politics. Also, just imagine how hellish it would be 
if that kind of environmentalism got paired up with the Trump fury, right? Like, it, we'd I just know. be right back to scientific racism and, like, it's okay, true. sterilize the blacks. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> is the crime's too high or... Sterilize the losers. Right, sterilize the losers. That <laughs> would be the that losers. would be the play. It's literally like, well. There's our title. It's like a yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but it's literally like a political cartoon version of Nazi ideology. It really is. Like no, I mean, sterilize the losers is yeah. like it's it's like if if Mein Kampf was reduced to a political cartoon. Right. That's what it would say. <laughs> right. To which the only reply is always that dog in the firehouse yeah. saying this is fine. <laughs> link in the description um i i don't know what the heck you're talking about i'll i'll, sh- I'll show you okay I'll, um, I'll i'll look at the description yes <laughs> look uh, at the description but, but yeah so the convention is supposed to uh is usually supposed to be um this moment where we all put aside our our fractious uh complaints parties. about each other because the primary system is after all civil war right it really is it's a controlled burn civil war uh, until it's not a controlled burn civil war. So usually conventions are supposed to bring everyone back together, but sometimes... And usually people are already pretty much back together. Right, right. right. Like, usually someone thing. has won so hard. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, let's uh, look at 2012 as an example, right? right? Is that Romney, like, good old plodding second placer, Ro- Mitt Romney, uh, managed to stay second placer while people rose and fell for so long that mathematically no one had a prayer. And so everyone just stopped campaigning around March. <laughs> right. But, and so they had a long time to get ready and unify. And But not so here. Uh, thankfully, a certain contingent of Republicans have raised quite a stink about, you know, putting a nationalist leftist person as our presidential nominee instead of a conservative. What's and... the difference? <laughs> well, that's a wonderful question, Russ. Says Bill Maher. <laughs> right. Says, says an uninformed person. Um, well, just in case any of our listeners happen to be so uninformed, uh, you know, the fact... So the thing that makes Trump not just a straight-up liberal Democrat uh, in the pejorative sense of the term in America yeah. um, is... Just his nationalism, uh, you know, basically being uh, most directly racist. The Democrats are usually more indirectly racist with the soft bigotry of low expectations. Right. Um, but no, Trump takes the more hardline uh, uh, racist, racist angle and, of course, uh, you know, has a more has more nationalist uh, and, feeling about the military. And I do want to, like, I do want to say, mm. right... Like, there are people who are overblowing the racism oh, of course. in Trump's in As Trump's there always comments, will be. right? I mean, they would have called any Republican racist. Let's right. let's be clear. But this but, is the whole problem, but, right? The boy who cried wolf. Exactly. Republicans but, have been called racist. But so in much. actuality, when you say that someone being a Mexican, that like. For the Makes longest, them unfit for, for to the judge long, your For the longest time, decision. I was like, I was holding back on calling Trump a racist. Because I believe that word has real power. Um, or we wish it did. Yeah, exactly. Um, I believe that word ought to have real power and real love. Yes. Uh, because what he was talking about in his famous racist speech was illegal immigrants. Mm. And illegal immigrants aren't a race. 
Right. Right? They're a group of people, but mm. they are not a race. That is stupid. And even when he said Mexican illegal immigrants, like he didn't say, I hate Mexicans. He mm. said the people that the Mexicans are sending over illegally mm. are terrible people. Nonsense? Probably. But racist? No. Come on. That's not racist. Uh... It would be racist if he said all all Mexicans the, are this way. Yeah, I agree that the statement <laughs> itself is not strictly racist, but I would say that once we That's have enough. the additional evidence, we can fit it fit it together into Full where stop. we're going. If it, yeah, but the problem is everyone is using that right. as the keystone piece yeah, of evidence. Yeah, I agree that that, that he should was not a be racist. The, it's an and ancillary then, like, evidence. He took a picture on Cinco de Mayo oh, with man. like a taco bowl. Right. And he was like, "I love the Mex- I love the Hispanics. I love the Hispanics. The Hispanics. I know. And and of course like Everyone's like, wow, that's really stupid and pandering. Is it racist? No, it's pandering. The Democrats do this every single cycle. Right. And like, and as evidenced by Hillary's corresponding tweet, which was in Spanish, like <laughs> by a woman who speaks way I'm... less Spanish than you do, Matthew Harrelson. <laughs> which is terrifying. Um, and it puts out this tweet that says, I really care about the Hispanics, but, but in Spanish, right? I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Right, right, of course. But like, that's the messaging. And of course, like, I mean, it's just a, a game of pandering. It's yeah. not unique to one side. Sure. And it's stupid to call it racist. That's a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. However... Um, Slowly but, but surely, but thanks, the evidence but has to begun evidence. to mount. <laughs> like that this that this man at least is an idiot. He he is either pretending to be racist or he is actually racist. And I don't know. I yeah. I I am assuming either one. We may as well assume he's racist. Right. Um, right. And so and but anyway, this thing with the Mexican judge saying the fact oh that he's. My God. The fact he was, I mean, this is, but the funny thing is, that's progressive logic. Mm. Like, that's the problem. It really is. It's really identity politics. That is the logic of the enemy. That is the belief that somehow the color of your skin makes you inherently for or against things in your brain. Right. Right? And if you're not, then you're... insanity. Right. Um, But that's the insanity we love. (laughs) I mean, that's that's just crazy. It's like, again, and I had this conversation with a friend uh, about Hillary Clinton. Is like, oh well, I'm voting for her because, you know, she's a woman, and so she understands my experience. And I and I was like, so you're that's openly sexist. You're voting for her because she's a woman. Mm. And she said, no, 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 no. That's not the only reason. It's just that she understands what it's like to be a woman. Yeah. And I was like, the thing is, what is it that it's like to be a woman? What is this unifying? Because unless it's like the biological aspects of being a woman, yeah. I guarantee that you and Hillary Clinton have nothing in common. I think that there is... <laughs> right? Like, the, the issue that what? I have is not so much that, like, it's uh, impossible to imagine that someone, you know, coming from a certain position could have, like, unique insights. The problem I have is... Insights into they're, what? They're incommunicable. Right? Insights like, into what? Oh, I don't know. Like, let's say that... Into what? The unified no, experience I, I, yeah, of one I, group I think, or another? I think it is. Like, the average... I think it's something like the average experience of women, right? What is the average experience of a woman? I don't know. I think it's something like uh, like catcalling. Like, I didn't know that catcalling was a real thing anymore. But apparently, according to some yeah, friends... Yeah, it is. It's it funny is. which communities it tends to be a still a thing in... <laughs> Well, that uh, aside, uh, some but of us stopped doing it, that. It, it, it took 
<laughs> but it took someone who knew about that to tell me about it. But here's the trick. With liberals, it's always like, oh, it took a woman okay, to tell secondly, me about do that. Do you think Hillary Clinton has ever been catcalled? No. Do you think that she understands that experience? Do we even have to say that she's a woman? I mean, that's no, pretty no. presumptuous. Yeah. <laughs> An say. excellent point. She may be she, transitioning. She could be should be <laughs> she could be gender fluid. She definitely given might that be gender fluid. supposedly twelve thousand dollar Armani uh, shirt that she had. I don't know hey, what she's any, identifying any as. Any woman who manages, any woman who manages to call what she has with Bill Clinton a marriage is probably <laughs> asexual at this point. <laughs> oh, uh, but again, that's below the belt. Bill Clinton at this point is. Yep, I know. Uh, no cigar jokes. Uh, what I, that is? I mean, Bill Clinton at this point is pulling the full grandpa. Oh, like he's... Oh, and at first of all, he may be actually deteriorating. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. The cheeseburgers finally caught up with him. But, the, I mean, the he yeah. also... He's got his glasses and he's just oh, like... Oh, he's got his glasses. I, I couldn't do nothing to nobody. <laughs> Come on, interns. Just right. give me another... Right. Just give me another touch. <laughs> the he is, creepiest man in the world. Um, but you're right with the glasses. First, he's the so first funny. man... Yeah. Of, of America. <laughs> oh, man. Creepy Grandpa Bill Clinton. It's just going to be... See, the thing is, in either scenario, it's completely insane. But anyway, let's get back to the convention, yes. because we didn't uh, even talk about the we convention. We are going crazy. You're right. Right. So, let's talk about day one. Day one. Day one. Monday night, Republicans went first. This was last week. Uh, Republicans went first, um, and in comes Rudy Giuliani. Oh, wait. Before we even get to that, oh, right. as predicted... All those people carrying guns shot each other, and it was a humongous massacre. Didn't they not allow guns in? No. Oh, no, into the convention, but not for the protest, not in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Right? The The argument was that... So there was, there was a, a significant argument in favor of people uh, doing, doing uh, you know, what do you call it? Not banning, but like uh, suspending the concealed carry uh. permissions in Cleveland to prevent a bloodbath because, you know, people with guns just sometimes go off and then start killing everybody. Well, but sometimes people with guns do well, go he, off but and here's kill the, everybody. But here's the funny thing. It's not a thing about people with guns yes, just exactly. as a mass, right? Well, to be fair, the anti-Trump protesters before have beat the crap out of people. Well, so, right. And actually, and actually, I was a little bit concerned because I was like, oh no, the thing that... I never think would happen could happen because these people are unlike normal conservatives actually violent and like yeah. have the traits Although, that again, are the stereotypes. Almost every time it's the anti-Trump protesters who start it. Well, like I'm not into defending Trump protesters, but if you've seen any videos of the clashes between right. the two groups, it's always the anti-Trump people who are violent. Um, but anyway. Almost always, in almost everything I've seen, except for that one time when that guy threw a punch at that one guy, which of course is the only oh. thing that this audience has probably ever heard of. Right. Um, right. But let me tell you, there's a lot of violence, and it's not a clash. But all to say, nothing happened. No one nope. was shot. Everything was totally and fine. And it's because of policing, almost certainly. Oh yeah. The police were everywhere. If and you they did a good job. If you watch that convention, there are police everywhere, and private security on top. So. They were doing everything they could to make sure that it didn't wind up in just a fracas. And, and in fact, during, well, we'll get there, but during Trump's speech, a protester ran out and, like, they were on him in five seconds. 
and had him off before most people even noticed what was happening. It was very, it was very orderly wow. and well police convention in that regard. Anyway, Rudy Giuliani. Right, Rudy Giuliani comes out. The man who made New York safe. Yeah. Rudy Giuliani. Oh, and how? And how? And he comes out known known especially for boxing with Janet Reno on SNL. Will Ferrell playing Janet Reno. Do you not remember no, that? No, I bit? don't oh, remember. Oh, what that. a classic bit. That's but pretty, anyway, that's pretty great. Whatever. Janet Reno is being played by Will Ferrell is hilarious. <laughs> that's, um, that's pretty great. But uh, nonetheless, comes out, talks about law and order, talks about supporting police. Frankly, uh, law and order was was the theme. I would say of this convention. That's the only mo- like moderately conservative aspect to Trump. No, exactly. Right, and, and, like and protectionism, and, abortion. And, and, exactly. Right, like he's got nothing but true. law and order. The only thing he's ever cared about. And even is, that, conservatives have recently been like, yeah, law and order, but maybe we also need prison reform. It's like, oh well, okay. <laughs> yeah, well. Anyway, Sorry, go ahead. But yeah, no, no, but you got it. But uh, but we're so here we are with. Uh, with Rudy Giuliani, frankly, I thought it was a great speech. He talked about uh, he talked about getting stopping rhetoric against cops. Oh yeah, that is unfounded, and we on this program if only know we had something done, about that. If only we had done some kind of awesome extravaganza on all of that. If only in the uh, last episode. Which if was only great. we had spent hours and hours talking Almost about three. unfounded rhetoric against police and founded rhetoric against and police. founded. Um, but again, uh, I thought it was pretty good. But the real story of the night, the real story of the night, uh, was Melania Trump. Oh, Melania man. Trump, Donald Trump's like fifth wife. Right. Remember when everyone was teasing Newt Gingrich because he had too many wives? Lord. And they're like, you'll never be a conservative candidate. And Trump like brags about infidelity. Oh man! <laughs> how yeah. did we? How did we get here? One man, one what woman. What happened to the moral well, majority? <laughs> right. Right, and now we have Jerry Falwell being like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Or Jerry man. Falwell Jr. Yes, a good a good description. Yeah. Although Jerry Falwell probably not my favorite person either. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so here clearly we have, raised a discerning son. But the point is, Melania Trump, uh, if that's how you pronounce her name, and I assume it's something it is, like that. Yeah, the woman who uh, famously more attractive than Heidi Cruz, mm. or so people say. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's. I think that's probably, probably fair. objectively true. Yeah, I don't know if I would say that. No, that on, would be very on a rude. national on a national stage. That would probably be very um, rude and horrible. You know, you. most trophy wives tend to be more attractive than people who actually love their husbands. Right. Well, at least uh, she wasn't tasked with anything that would involve something other than her physical appearance. Like a very a good or point. Something. That would have been a disaster. Right. But for some reason, she wandered on stage anyway, and she gave. <laughs> but but let's be serious. She has a very endearing little accent, which oh, sounds it's super patronizing, but it is in fact very adorable. It is. Um. And she she gave this speech, which frankly was incredible. Mm. Like people remembered two paragraphs of the speech. This speech was ten minutes long, and it was really good. Yeah. Like especially when you compare it to uh, compare it to Hillary Clinton's story, but her story as an immigrant, mm, her story yeah. is coming to the country with nothing and working her way up. Right. Uh, snide remark. Working her way up, but in all honesty, someone who came to the country with nothing and who appreciates what the country has given her right. and very clearly. And it just shows For like sure. she, she loves America genuinely. 
because she honestly believes. And it's kind of like Dinesh D'Souza, right? Mm, yeah. I mean, people and Bobby Jindal, right? These are uh, second. I love Bobby. These Jindal. are second generation immigrants who came to the United States with their, their parents with, with nothing and took all of the ropes of opportunity that are lowered down instead of complaining about them and achieved amazing things. Right. Right. Now, not everyone will do that. Right. But the reason they love it is because there is nowhere else where they could have done it. Right. Right. I mean, the issue is not that it's a perfect system. Everyone makes it. The point is it's the best system. Right. Nowhere else do people make it like this. Right. Um, and, and, and so, I mean, at least that's the position and, and, and she really sold it. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, the idiot who wrote the speech, who is not her, of course. Oh, uh, well, hopefully no, there's no way. I don't they know. already said that it wasn't her. Uh, they said that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's no way it was her. I think that you, been... she does not have that strong of a grasp. <laughs> I don't believe point. for a moment that she wrote most of that speech. However, I believe, I mean, I believe she had lots of input on it. Sure, right? sure. Because it's her story, right? Um, but nonetheless, they took a line that, all, it, I mean, it's plagiarized. Mm-hmm. It is word for word. 100% plagiarized. What, there are two paragraphs in that speech that have phrases in them that are 100% plagiarized, and the themes are almost entirely plagiarized from those two paragraphs. From a speech that Michelle Obama gave, uh, I think in the 2008 or was it 2012? I think... Well, I Michelle know. Obama gave in one of her speeches. Um, Which is kind of hilarious given the parallelism, right? Like, why... <laughs> like, if you're gonna if you're gonna plagiarize a speech, would you really want to do it from a speech that was, like, from the exact same occasion? I guess if you're, like, <laughs> looking for good examples of ones that well, work. See, that's, what, I, that's right? what I'm thinking, is that she just has a really amateurish writing staff. Yeah, um, I guess that, that was could like be. looking for inspiration, and that was the best they could find. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I but I really, um, I did not. I was I was not. I mean, I, like again, it was two paragraphs of the speech. So, but the problem is, it doesn't matter. Plagiarism is wrong. You know, every English teacher in America got upset. Uh, right. You know, and as well they should. Yeah, I mean, and, that's and, and every conservative in the country got upset because why are you plagiarizing from Michelle Obama? Sure, right. those are great sentiments that yeah, you probably the, the share with Michelle were Obama. Fine. But like why don't you like try rephrasing them a little bit? Right. Or better yet, spread them out throughout right. the speech. People do this all the time. Right. No, one has, a, no one has a time. copyright on those ideas. They but they do have a right and to so, the exact like, phrasing. And I don't know how big of a deal it is, right? I mean, again, speechwriters plagiarize all the time. Right. Of course, they usually plagiarize from relatively unknown people. Mm. Uh, because they're can they're cannibals of people that are lower down on the rung of the ladder than they mm. are. But two they typically do it on different occasions, <laughs> right? right. Uh, right. So lo- with long periods in between right. sometimes. Different levels of government, right? A little right? bit like Obama more difficult then, than Obama then it in. immediately plagiarized from somebody in his response, right? But and people are like, aha, see? But that, it's, I mean, yes, we know. Everybody plagiarizes. But the difference was he plagiarized from someone no one's ever heard of and she plagiarized from someone in the exact same position, making the exact same speech several years earlier. Right. So, like, it's not that she was a plagiarist, and that's what's shocking. It's that, that she was bad horrible. at it. Right. <laughs> right. And especially from a campaign that's whole thing is like, we'll be good at stuff. And we'll be different. We'll be different insofar <laughs> as we're good at stuff. 
It's like, um, you guys are pretty incompetent sometimes, it seems. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, moving along. So let's skip ahead to, uh, well, first of all, actually, let's talk about sort of the debate on the floor with the roll call vote. Ah, yes. Yeah, so this was, so people who did not like Trump. Ah, yes. Um, wanted to voice their distaste for Trump in a roll call vote. I mean, Mm. they go state by state, and then, uh, the delegations are allowed to voice their, uh, voice their vote. Right, and, and the background to this is, there was a movement, uh, (laughs) that came out of the Never Trump movement called Free the Delegates, (laughs) Uh, whose goal was to basically allow delegates to vote their conscience instead of being bound, instead of being bound by the rules uh, in the state. So the way that this works is uh, state laws um, can be they, the states pass laws sometimes, or local uh, parts of the Republican Party uh, pass ordinances that say that uh, you, as a delegate, you have to vote with your state. Um, but, uh, the, but it's not actually legally binding. Every year, the Republican, uh, National Convention has to pass a rules package that reaffirms that, yes, indeed, you have to abide by those rules. You're bound to vote for, um, vote for the person that you're bound to if you are indeed bound. Um, so the goal of the free, the delegates movement was to, uh, undo this. And basically pass the rules. Basically, they would pass a uh, rule. They would, the first plan was to uh, overthrow the, you know, the consensus in the rules committee, and then just directly allow delegates to vote their conscience. Then the second option was to create a minority report out of the committee, um, so that the delegates on the floor would vote on it, and then they could win it that way. Uh, and then, of course. Uh, the third option was to just use basic parliamentary procedure to submit a roll call vote on the actual rules package so that once the rules package was um, uh, dismissed by delegates on the floor, uh, they could then um, propose new rule packages uh, that didn't come out of that committee or just pressure the committee into allowing uh, conscience objections. But here's the problem with all that. Uh, at a convention, as Bernie Sanders uh, lovers will know, uh, not all votes, so-called, are, uh, you know, judiciously uh, tabulated. So it's not like everyone... Not all of them happen. Right. <laughs> so it's unlike, uh, you know, normal voting where you have a little piece of paper and then you check your boxes and then you put it in a box and then someone counts it. That takes too long. Uh, and so for a lot of these decisions... And it's not nefarious. It's, this is part of a normal... I mean, it can be used nefariously. But it will be used nefariously. Um, but it can be not nefarious because there's lots in parliamentary procedure that requires voting that everyone basically agrees to. Um, they they uh, basically do something called a voice vote where everyone votes with just saying I or nay, right, which is where that whole thing comes from. Mm. And if in the determination of the chairman... Uh, they can basically say, yeah, the eyes have it. The, you know, we'll keep moving on. Um, now, of course. Sometimes you go, aye, nay, yes. <laughs> uh, Sounds good. Uh, and, and so that means the chairman has a lot of power. Now, of course, to correct this, you can always propose a point of order. 
uh, to contest what the chairman said, but of course the chairman has to call on you. And your microphone has to not be turned off. And your microphone has to work (laughs) in order to actually successfully call the point of order. Uh, Anyway, all this went down, and basically the Trump people, or the anti-Trump people, uh, which some of us might have... Sympathize with. Uh, sympathize with, and perhaps devoted what they were going to use to buy a PlayStation 4 with, um, <laughs> uh, you know, lost, uh, and were soundly defeated. And uh, that was the end of that. <laughs> yup. And, uh, and now there's just sadness. But the point is, a lot of people were very upset. Uh, at least one delegation walked out. Can't remember who. Uh, was it Colorado? Might have been. Because that was the one led by uh, the person who was leading the Free the Delegates movement. Yeah, there was uh, there were a lot of upset people. Uh, but yeah. And so, you know, conservatives, we aren't very good at protests or like what to do when institutions are going wrong. Might just, be because we expect to lose. Yeah, I think it's partially because we expect to lose because we bought into the Hegelian narrative of the left where, you know, the basically, unlike the progressives, we, we also believe that progressivism will triumph. It's just we think it's horrible. <laughs> um, and, fatalism. Right, so kind of fatalistic. Uh, and so we're not very good. You know, actually, the whole like lesson of the last 150 years has been conservatives are bad at dealing with institutions going wrong. Mm. Um, and so it would be great if we like put together a team to think about that. Uh, but interestingly, teams can only be put together by institutions. So <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a uh, impossible paradox. Anyway. Yes. But yes, so, uh, so that was gross. But Trump became, Trump became the nominee, uh, despite a spirited attempt and just getting steamrolled. But let's face it, mm. Trump is the establishment now. Mm. Um, and actually really has been for a while. Because oh, yeah. Man, does the RNC hate Ted Cruz. It's so disturbing. They hate him so much. And it's not that I don't get it. I mean, I mm-hmm. kind of hate Ted Cruz, but at least he's a conservative. Mm. Right, right, <laughs> right. right. I would ra- I'd rather have someone who ideologically I, I agree with right, right, than, than someone that I actually think I could get along with and not throttle in his sleep. Um, right, right, and, right. And so, which, I mean, I was a Rubio guy, and then Amen. Rubio went away. Yep. Lost his own state. Oh man. Oh man. It anyway, but at least he is not he's not going to have a super pack drilling him into the ground if he runs again, but we'll get to that in a minute. So, Thursday night, end of the RNC. In every he, sense. In every sense. <laughs> uh, I liked that one. Ivanka <laughs> Trump, the inexplicably attractive daughter of Donald Trump. Yeah. Comes out and also blonde how, i just don't understand how those genes work uh, it doesn't matter uh also they, they probably didn't had Donald to... trump have some uncomfortable quote where he said that he would sleep with her if he wasn't her father oh yeah uh, anyway whatever if he wasn't her father. he's the yeah, worst right. and, yeah he is the worst yeah i mean i'm sure that they uh you know did selective breeding but, to get that maybe uh she came out and uh because he's so pro-life yeah Margaret Sanger approves. Mm. She came out and mm. and she essentially said, well, first of all, I think everyone who was watching that speech, by the end, had one of two reactions. One, which convention is this? And <laughs> two, yes. and two, 
I wish she was a candidate. Um, <laughs> because let's face it, in comparison to her father, she knows how to speak. Yeah. Like, she was so much better at speaking. And looked good doing it. Right. Right? That helps. And stayed on point. Stayed focused. Um, Which, think about how low our bar has become. No, so low. That, like, um, we're, li- we're, when, when Russ is saying she was able to speak, he literally means <laughs> was able to, like, form strings of coherent sentences that added up to points made over time. Yes, I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> like, I knew, like, it was like a third grader or above had written her talking points. Right. Like, right. they didn't meander around. But anyway. Maybe she, a third she grader in the upper it was level great. math class. Let's talk about what she talked about. Pay equality for women. Right? Now, you, you may be like, why are we laughing about that? Are we sexist? Oh, and the, so the sh- sexist. The short answer is absolutely the sexist, sexiest. By the definition of Wait, feminists. Or the sexistest. Yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um... But uh, no, it's because equal pay for women is largely a sham. Almost all of the wage gap disappears if you account for personal choice, as described by the Obama administration itself. So you can either believe that... So you can either believe that, uh, you know, women should not have personal choices, uh, or that women should be uh, socialized to be identical to men, Yep. Or although the feminists would like that. Well, well, that's what's crazy, right? Like how uh, how masculine cen- androcentric is that? Well, it's always been that way. I know. the The term penis envy exists for a reason. Well, uh, but anyway, I think. Uh, and then the other choice is to just admit, like, oh, this isn't really a thing. If you really want to be an engineer, you can go be an engineer and make yeah. all the money. And but what about internalized misogyny, Matt? Uh, well, what I... about the fact that you? I mean, what what more patronizing concept has there ever been? That it's like, oh yeah, women are choosing not to do this, but it's because the oogie boogie patriarchy got into their minds. They're not making their own decisions. Women can't make their own decisions. No, the they men can't. are making the decisions for them. Exactly. What a patronizing load. Well, there you go. <laughs> what, what we've come to expect. For anyone who actually expects a lot of women, for anyone who actually respects women, what a gross statement, but whatever. Uh, point sure. is, now the Republicans are talking about it, <laughs> thanks to this woman. Is it any surprise? Her husband... Major Democratic donor. She has been a major figure in local Democratic politics her entire life. My God. Her talking points didn't change. Her party just changed. Like, just like her dad, right? right? It just swung to the other side. It's the exact same talking points. The Republican Party is becoming the Democratic Party with a veneer of national socialism. Right. And I don't know what to do. But, yes. But then the Grand, the grand Tamale... Uh, the Great Pumpkin, as right. Linus the would great, say, the great pumpkin. floated over the pumpkin patch and mm. gave his speech. And you know what? When I was listening to that speech, I was like, okay. Right? Sometimes. And then other times, I was like, oh no. <laughs> because he'd be like, I humbly 
Okay. Gratefully. And I was like, screw okay. you. No, you don't. <laughs> you've never been humble or grateful in your life, and you've admitted that. Right. I've um, never apologized to God. <laughs> like, who says that? Even if it's even if it's true. I create jobs. I don't apologize to God. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Uh, but that but that was that was but anyway, that was bad. There were some other times when things just got gross. The trade section was oh, real uncomfortable. Yes. yes uh, the part on NATO was pretty uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, not defending our Eastern allies. Uh, I mean, that wasn't in the speech necessarily, but he did talk about reevaluating, uh, reevaluating treaty systems to make sure America wins and putting that in the context of, you know, we may not defend our NATO allies in the future just makes it so gross and terrifying. Uh, but the other parts of his foreign policy were not terrible. They were clearly written by someone smarter than him. Um, and, that, and that really is, that was the theme of the speech, is the more he stayed on topic, true, a lot of people have been criticizing, the entire thing was delivered in a yell, but yeah, it's Trump, well, you know, you you, what are you gonna that's get? the problem. When you literally filter your ideas through a human megaphone, you should not be surprised when they all sound like he's shouting. Um, yeah. but, but that is, uh, but that's one thing. Uh, but the other, but for the most part, the speech was palatable, mm-hmm. I think, to most conservatives. Most of the speech made a lot of sense. He did a lot on law and order. The vast majority of his foreign policy was good. The trade made me want to throw up, but that's what's in right now with the idiots. Yeah. And the, uh, and, and, and a lot of the social policy stuff made sense too. Mm. So, uh, the immigration stuff, mm. I don't agree with it, but it's... It you know, I don't. But lots of real conservatives have similar viewpoints. Sure. And so, you know, I can't say that it was out of place at an RNC sure, convention. Sure, sure. Um, but the but the thing that really that really got me was whenever he went off script, because the veneer of this sort of almost a real politician looking politician mm-hmm. just dropped. Right. Like, and one example is when this protester jumped out, totally threw off his momentum. And he was like, uh, and then they tackled him and, and, the, and t- took him out of the room. And he was like, aren't the police great? Isn't Cleveland great? <laughs> <laughs> or was it Cincinnati? It's Cleveland, right? Uh, yeah, it's Cleveland. And, and he was, but anyway, and then I was just like, there he is, mm-hmm. right? Uh oh! There's our old went little off, demagogue. Went off teleprompter, and he sounds like a four-year-old again. <laughs> I mean, it's so. I was listening to a, I was listening to a cut of him talking about the Constitution, in relation to the con, in relation to the Constitution and his attempt to ban Muslims. Okay. Now I just want to I want to talk about this real quick. Okay. Ben Shapiro, among others, uh, has been saying, and and he's no small commentator on this issue, has been saying that. Oh, you know, the U.S. Constitution doesn't apply to non-U.S. citizens. Mm. That's not true. It's not true. It's not true, mm. right? He got a law degree from a good school, and he doesn't know this. It, it's not true. If you promote a program, you are bound by the you are bound to run that program in accordance with the Constitution, which includes the Fourteenth Amendment. Which means, if you run a program like legal immigration, where you extend visas to people where you extend immigration rights to people, you are not allowed to discriminate on the basis of race or religion. You are not. 
like the problem is that we are governed by the constitution and because legal immigration is set up as a program right you are not allowed to discriminate in that way there is no way that that is constitutional it doesn't matter if the subjects of the program mm-hmm. are us citizens or not right um i mean it's different than like war right right that changes things because it's not like the program of war right, right. but even there like we're not discriminating based off of religion right but in the same way that like you can't the hud doesn't just stop happening when there are people that are not u.s citizens involved right right right. any program that you run in the united states or off it that is run by the u.s government is has to abide by the constitution and i think conservatives should be able to get behind that i agree um we we want that to be the case we like the constitution constitution good trump doesn't like the constitution he thinks of it as a major obstacle to him, and listening to him talk about it. Where have we heard that before? Listening to him talk about it, yeah, is just your face just droops, mm. and then it just gets more and more slack and contorted, and you don't know what he's saying, and you don't know what is happening, and then and, your jaw hits, and the floor. he's just the worst. So, he, I mean, listening to the man talk off the cuff is so gross. And he's so bad. And it just reveals his heart, right? Like, that it, yeah, he, um, he you know, you can doing. put a lipstick on a pig, as they say. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's still a disgusting orange pig. Yeah. And he just, you and know, he really is. So, speech overall, the Democrats called it, hated it. I mean, no one's surprised. Uh, they called it dark. Um, and because he kept, he was like, dark. he was like, crime is rising in the inner cities. Mm. And yes, it is. Most inner cities. Yes, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that, now that that does not change the fact that crime overall in the United States is going down. Right. Uh, the crime is going up in certain places. We've talked about this. We right. talked about this last time. Right. Right. The reason why it's going up is is actually because of bad rhetoric, mostly mm-hmm. from the Democrats. Um, is that police are not going into these areas? Uh, that it's murder that's going up. It's murder. It's aggravated assault. It's the kinds of things mm-hmm. that police would stop. Right. Um, uh, and and it's the only thing that hasn't gone up is rape, which mm. is the thing that police would have a lot of difficulty stopping. So I mean, like it, this isn't a coincidence, and he's absolutely right that like you can tie the rise in crime in these areas to bad policies. Mm. And there's certainly an argument to be made that like this is Barack Obama completely letting down the African American community because well, where are these places? Right, Mostly the African American. Yeah, community. at least it's not going to ironically backfire and hurt the community that the Democrats. I know. supposed to be protecting. Right. Oh, man. Um, I mean, he's letting them down. He's, he's letting them down to satiate the loudest minority representation of them. Um, and, and, and in the process, it's getting people killed. It's mm. getting people killed. It's getting people maimed. It's getting people robbed. What little they have is being stolen from them by other people who also don't have very much. Um, and, it, it's, and the police need to be there. You have to be able to accumulate capital. You have to be able to communi- accumulate things in order to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, property property values and successfully matter. trade them. Right, and be able to c- trade them with others. You have to be able to walk. And be alive. You have to be able to trade them with others, walk around outside without being afraid of getting beat up. Play Pokemon stolen, Go. Getting shot. Right, These are things that need to be done. And so people have said that he's painted a dark picture of America. It is a dark picture right. in some parts of America. And that's what he means when he says law and order. Like what he says, when he says law and order, at least this is what I got out of it and Mm -hmm. feel free to disagree, Mm -hmm. is he is directly addressing Black Lives Matter. Like this is directly a response to 
the to the 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 Ferguson effect, mm-hmm. the the disappearance of police from these areas because they're afraid to do their jobs, because right. they're afraid that even in the ordinary course of doing their jobs, they will be attacked or slandered, mm-hmm. or raked over the coals, or have their families threatened or, or be killed, mm-hmm. um, and and largely due to bad rhetoric uh, about uh, lies. Yeah, I, I think uh, mm. I think that that is probably what he's talking about. I mean, I do get a little bit nervous about the law and order rhetoric, though, because I think about how you know European nationalist parties have used law and order as a cover for like more uh, more nationalist, a stronger and, police state. Well, yeah, a stronger police state and as in more surveillance, more surveillance. Yeah, I mean, if we think that Donald Trump mm. isn't going to be a big. Uh, you know, a big surveillance dude. Exactly. I don't. I think we're being very naive. And people say and that's you know, terrifying. And people say you know, law and order is the Republicans' traditional winning issue. Well, mm-hmm. the last real law and order candidate was Nixon. So, <laughs> let's keep that in mind. Right. Uh, yeah, and I think that you know there is something there is something very good about both law and order. Uh, <laughs> but I think that what this Black Lives Matter stuff has shown us is. It's much better when we focus in a on we we do reinforce it because as you say right like it, without it society begins to fall apart and it doesn't matter whether you're white or black right yeah. like if all the police left white areas you know it, we might have different crimes for a while but they would definitely sure. go up and it would be a disaster and I definitely do not want the police to leave my area or say uh, if pol- major politicians were not prosecuted for committing crimes well or something like that yeah then we might have you know the, those politicians getting more and more power and becoming mm-hmm. candidates uh, of both political parties yeah it's possible <laughs> um, but anyway uh, thankfully that will never happen yeah of course uh, but anyway I think that I think that the the thing that we need to think about is to go back to some kind of uh, conservative, um, you know, go back through, like, what are our core conservative principles about, uh, you know, social self-government uh, instead of, you know, imposed order. And this is where I think that we can find a lot in the, you know, conservative uh, index of ideas that coheres with not necessarily Black Lives Matter because those people, like, the people in charge are insane and you know, uh, or largely insane, and uh, would not admit to those kinds of ideas. But I think a lot of the people who are in the movement uh, would have, uh, you know, be interested in hearing about how, you know, conservatives have a tradition of, you know, communities governing themselves, of, uh, you know, police, um, you know, emerging out of the desire for families to be protected and uh, to protect their own neighborhoods. And I think that focusing on that could be really productive. And of course, Donald Trump will do none of that because he's not no, conservative. Because he's a and statist. He hate, and, uh, right. And part of his political maneuvering is to create us versus, versus them dichotomies right. where, you know, it's not to his advantage for Black Lives Matter or for black people even, period, to fall in love with Donald Trump. Now, of no. course, there's no risk of that. But <laughs> if there even were, Except he would for avoid the it. Stump for Trump crew. Oh man! Remember that was that original was two black women. Lol. Those women were pretty funny. Though. Yes, they were. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but you know, like it's not to his advantage because he gets people excited, uh, in part and not entirely, but in part when they envision like, uh, you know, kind of a white you know, victory over 
the not so white friends, and uh, and that's terrifying and horrible. Yes, it is. Welcome to the alt right. Yeah, the land of terror. Right. Um. However, I can't believe that that happened. Um, <laughs> but let's. But yeah. So that's the Republican side. Yeah. Let's it doesn't quickly look do the good. DNC let's stuff. quickly do the DNC and let's talk about the future. Yeah. So DNC. Uh, big news out of the DNC: the Russians, or WikiLeaks, more accurately. But also the Russians uh, uh, leaked a bunch of Democratic National Committee emails, which basically lay out um, the the hatred within the Democratic National Committee for Bernie Sanders, and very clearly demonstrate that there was an attempt to prevent him from being elected. Um, that, that that literally there's not it's not a coincidence that basically all the super delegates went for Clinton because. <laughs> The party itself was trying to suppress Bernie Sanders, and Bernie Sanders fans are furious. So Bernie rightfully San- so. I yeah, mean, uh, yeah, Bernie Sanders is a nutcase, but this is a huge is deal. Horrible. And and so this is so bad. And so Debbie Wasserman Schultz, walking garbage can, uh, and, and the unwieldy name, the wo- Debbie wa- Wasserman Schultz. Yeah, the woman who couldn't come up with a difference. Between, between socialists and, and democrats when pressed which made chris hayes start crying on national television uh, beautiful made him look like a conservative um but anyway she like this woman has been sort of the the fart hanging around the democratic national committee for years clearly in the pocket of hillary clinton everybody knew this. oh man everybody knew this they're old buddies right. old corruptocrats together and uh, and she was she resigned over this email scandal because a lot of them were from her, and uh, and and she and she immediately went nowhere, um, nowhere certainly did not take up immediate employment somewhere that would make it extremely clear that this scandal is a is the real deal. Right, and like, it's part of a say, massive clientelism. Like say the Hillary Clinton campaign. She definitely didn't join that. Wait, this just in. She totally did. She took a position in the Hillary Clinton campaign, but wouldn't that make Hillary Clinton look like the patron of a horrible, corrupt scandal? Lol, no one cares. Oh, it's (laughs) almost like she's past the point of ever being blamed for anything. It's all just a vast right-wing conspiracy, (laughs) Russ. All these things I'm doing to myself (laughs) and my own party. Bernie Sanders is a vast right-wing conspiracy. And how. Ladies and gentlemen, anyway, what a mess. And these will keep... And so the deflection has been hilarious. So immediately they were like, yes, these happened. But the Russians... Right. So, now remember, this is the party, by the way... That when Mitt Romney said the Russians are the greatest geopolitical threat to the United States right now, which is fair. They got a lot of nukes, and they're shockingly aggressive. For Uh, no reason. Yeah, exactly. Like, what are we doing to them? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's what they're doing. They need an enemy. Right. Right. Like any like any totalitarian state. Be enemies with China. Yeah, but that might actually result in war. They're way too close to each other. And they know China might actually do something, right. which they know we'll never do anything. That's um, so true. Uh, we are the punching bag of the world. Mm. Um, but that being said, uh, you know it's true. The Russians are dangerous. Obama laughed at him. Obama laughed at him. Uh, people up and down the Democratic Party said, "Oh, what a relic of the Cold War, Romney." Mm. 
Sounds Silly like, Romney. Silly, what a what a dummy. Everyone knows that climate change is the greatest pol- geopolitical threat. Uh, Not ISIS. Right. What's ISIS? JV team? Yeah. Remember, this is 2012. Uh, this is before the obvious result that everybody saw actually happened and the Democrats could cover it up. Oh, <laughs> They're man. still trying. Um, but Workplace <laughs> violence, people. Workplace <laughs> violence. They're still trying. Um, but, yes, so... Uh, he was laughed at, and now suddenly, oh, the Russians. But here's the thing. It's po- totally possible that both things are true. Right. Like, here's the deal. It is both true that the DNC is horrifically corrupt and that the Russians are weirdly involved with getting Trump elected president. Right. So people have been talking about this on the conservative side for a while. They've just been largely ignored. Right. Uh, his new campaign staffer... After he fired Grabby, um, <laughs> Gra- Grabby McRacist, uh, is literally worked for the Putin and uh, like worked for someone connected to Putin. Right. Um, a lot of people who have trolled for Trump online have been discovered by in- independent tech agencies to be in Moscow. Oh my god! Like it's super bad. So if you've ever thought like, wow, these Trump trolls are really unbelievable and on the ball it might be because some of them are actually paid former kgb agents <laughs> but yeah. but which all begs and remember they said mutual admiration and here's the kicker in the rules committee the trump delegation one of the major change changes to the republican platform was changing the stance on ukraine hmm. from we will provide weapons to avoid to fend off Russian aggression, to the new stance of we will provide appropriate assistance, <laughs> which means nothing. Which, which means it, we'll do nothing. Exactly. Which is why. So again, if you are making a case that the Trump campaign sure seems to be interested in Putin's affection, and Putin sure seems to be interested in Trump winning. Um, you could make it, which is crazy because remember, it's on Clinton's watch that he managed to capture a huge portion of Ukraine. Right. That he managed to wage a proxy war on the border of so Ukraine. Imagine... And that he took over Syria in policy, a country in which he's had a long standing vested interest in a brutal dictator. Right, right. Uh, right? And he still thinks that Trump will be better. Right. Even though he has evidence that Clinton should be pretty good for him. Right. So um, it's really just a many bad world scenario, and we, and I think that the issue is, we just have a hard time as like normal people, uh, not just accepting a very flat, obvious narrative where the directional arrow of blame only points in one direction, right? Yeah. Like, okay, well, okay, given these two facts, who do I blame? Do I say that you know Hillary's the worst? Or do I say that Hillary's a victim because victims can never be evil? Yeah. It's like, no, she's a victim and she's evil. She's a victim and she's evil. Is she even a victim, though? Yeah, she's a victim. Of what? Of Russian hacking. She didn't get hacked. The DNC got oh, hacked. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Hillary I'm sorry, Clinton I meant, is I meant, not I meant, a I meant, victim. I meant Debbie Wasserman Hillary Schultz. Hillary Clinton deserves everything I, that sorry, has ever I meant, happened. I meant Debbie Wasserman Schultz. They just seem so Which similar. reminds me of another quote that I heard recently from an interview with the most disgusting man on television. 
whose name escapes me, which uh, is too bad. But uh, anyway, Howard it was Stern. no, I wish uh, it was a but it was an interview in which she was like, yeah, well, people say all kinds of things about me. They were talking about the Russian situation. Oh, people. I don't know anything about these email hacks. People say all kinds of things about me. I just go from one thing to another and I just let it roll off. And the interviewer, to the everlasting shame of anyone who has ever been a journalist that covers politics, says, why do you do it? Why do you let them do this to you? And and she said, because I believe in America. Oh, my. And I said, burn it down. <laughs> I mean, wow. really. That's so imperious. Like, and we always thought that Obama got softballs, and he did. Okay. Oh, for sure. Right. Do you did you see those Romney debates? <laughs> Obama, how have you done so well? Right. Why how is, is so it why is perfect. it that you're the wunderkind? You're so what, famous. Why is it that you are the god king? You're the so perfect smart. master of all you survey? And he talks well too, and, as Joe Biden yes. said. <laughs> and and <laughs> Romney, uh, why do you kill babies at night? Right. That, that, there have been allegations that you're a rapist. Yes. Uh, uh, someone recently mentioned to me <laughs> yeah, right. that you're a monster. It's been kind. said that you're the yes, worst person I've said. ever seen. People, Your thoughts. People seem to think that you're awful. Yeah. Do you have any? A no. consensus has been so building. Get ready for that, right? Because <laughs> that's coming. Hillary Clinton is going to be in a perpetual ray of light mm. for the next five months. And I don't think the Russians can do anything about it. Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I'm not actually sure. I mean, the, what's weird about the media is, as much as they do softball, uh, softball Democrats all the time, there is this thing about the Clintons where there really is always a story, and they're so in in like unfailingly fake that journalists, I think, have this like last-ditch desire after she's punctured all of their, like, pro-Democrat defenses where Mm. they really want a story. Uh, And so sometimes you see, like, these very left-wing people being like, yeah, Hillary Clinton is insane. And I think that uh, the rift with Bernie could really exacerbate that. But I guess we'll see, because it really could go both ways, because they have both intuitions, I think. And again, this this is day two of the convention, and uh, so far... Bernie has been booed by his own supporters. Um, For supporting Clinton. Debbie Wasserman Schultz wasn't even able to gavel because she was booed so badly by Bernie's supporters. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just a mess. And, uh, and, and we're, uh, like, I don't know what to say. We'll see where it goes from here. Yep. Frankly, oh yeah, uh, Kane. As a VP pick for oh, Hillary. The most boring possible very, pick. Very significant because it, it is the biggest middle finger to Bernie supporters that I've ever seen. <laughs> like this says, what are you going to do? Vote for Jill Stein. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly it. Right. right? I mean, it's, it, I mean uh, listen. Ho, ho, ho. Kane, and so Kane was at uh, my law school's graduation uh, oh, this really? year. So I saw him speak. And... Uh, and I was like, you know what? This seems like a reasonable guy. Yeah, he's not that bad. And the fact that I said that means that no Bernie supporter wants anything to do with him. Right. Right? Like, the fact that I was like, I can work with this guy, means that, that the mainstream Democratic Party wants nothing to do with this man. What she is trying to do is capture the Kasich crowd. Yep. What she is trying to do is is capture the people who aren't quite Cruz, mm, right. <laughs> but are conservative enough that they're like, oh, maybe mm. she'll get assassinated. 
<laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> right, in, in much the same way that Mike Pence mm. is getting that reaction from many who have very short memories. <laughs> right, right, and who don't understand how vice presidents actually yes. work. and who forgot that... Uh, and the frequency of assassination being successful. That's true, and who forgot about... The religious uh, liberty. The religious liberty bill Cave. in Indiana. If Caving you, if you actually Pence. believe that Mike Pence will do anything to support conservatism as a whole. I have terrible All you have to do is watch what he does as soon as an unpopular thing happens. <laughs> right, right, um, right. Or even a supposedly unpopular yes, it, thing. Or a wildly popular thing that's unpopular with the media. <laughs> right, and the, the um, most famous and interesting people. Yes. Um, so that was gross, but... You know, there we are. We'll what see where expect? it goes. But it was let's in talk Philadelphia, a, after all. Yes, it was. But let's talk about conservatism. Mm. Let's talk about let's talk about the future because this is one of the last shows. This is the last show we're going to do for the summer. I think it is. Um, and and we, you know, we've had a fun time doing this show. So fun. I think all three of you have had a fun time listening. Yes. And uh, and you know, we've loved having you. But but the real question, you know, the wrong side of history does not stop here. That's right. right? We, the wrong side of history will continue to, to, to exist and, in fact, uh, expand. Yes. What, it's where we forever. Will, in five years, what will the wrong side of history be? Oh, yeah. Will it be believing that you're allowed to practice your religion in your own home? The persistence will, of material objects outside of your vision. Will, <laughs> yeah. will it be believing that... Uh, Par- be- parents be- should take care of their children? parents should be allowed to make decisions for their children? Will it be... Believing that uh, that there should be any kind of alternatives to public schools, uh, <laughs> right? Will it be uh, mandatory public service in government bureaucracies? Right. Or, Nationalization of companies. I mean, these are not these are not crazy things. The, these seem crazy now. The popularity in academia are, of hyperinflation. They are. Sc- <laughs> yeah. oh, oh no! Expiring uh, currency. Will it be? It's will it be? Um, trade tariffs with China. Oh, will man. it be an invasion of China? Mm. Right. Will it be? Um, will it be isolationism entirely? Right. Opposing all of these things could be the wrong side of history exactly. in the near future. And, and they seem crazy, but again, like the intro says. When you think about where we were just a few years ago... Right. We've made like, so much progress. The world... Like, the, the progressives have, ha- have had their way with us. Mm. Uh, and the world is where it is now as a result. And Trump... Don't count him out. Yeah. Right? It is absolutely mortifying to me how possible it is that he could win this election. Oh, so bad. Um, and, and he's not any better. Right. Um, like, he isn't. That's, that's the problem. If he is better, it's negligible, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that's and that's just the way it is. And and we so even if you know he's definitely on the wrong side of history, right? But the problem is that the thing about this show is that it's not that we're on the wrong side of history like Mussolini. Right. It's that we're on the wrong side of history. Here's why we shouldn't be. Um, right. here's why, you know, first of all, it's non it's a Marxist idea yeah, that history a, has a side anyway. Right. Um, but secondly, in the short run, we, well, we, it, in want, the, in what the we final want to do, consummation, there's, maybe, but what but anyway, we, but what we want to do is talk about what do we do, Matt? Like, yep. what, what do we do here? Like, what, what, this election is coming up. We can't stop it. Right. The Free the Delegates movement failed. Yep. Trump is going to be representing you and I mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. a national stage for at least 
the next few months, if not the next four years, oh, Matthew Arnold. Shudder, shudder, What shudder. do you and I, as conservatives who are sympathetic to liberty, mm. sympathetic to small government, mm. um, but also not progressives, mm. what do we do? Like, what, what do we do for the next few months? What do we do for the next few years? Yeah, I think that uh, this is a very difficult question. It's a question that I think we've all received from a number of people. Who want us uh, to vote for Trump. <laughs> right, some of whom want us to vote for Trump, but some of whom are really, you know, are right now maybe going to vote for Trump just because they know how bad Hillary is, or maybe going to vote for Hillary cause, just because like, they know how, how bad Trump is, but really know that, like, it's bad. Um, this is where the our idea of what history really is, I mean, this actually ties in a fun way well into our uh, title, how beautiful for the last episode. Mm. But, you know, for liberals, history is, like, uh, very often, and actually just for everyone, history is very often, like, the story of, uh, you know, economic economic changes or the story, and in the past it's been the story of the rise of empires, the rise and fall of empires. Um, or, and, the, or the story of moral ascendancy. Right, or, or something like that. Uh, and really, I think that what Christians have to think about is it's the story of the church's persistence mm. and the church's presentation and witness of the gospel uh, in a chaotic and horrible world. Um, and viewed that way, the questions that we face are less about um, you know the material outcomes of like, will the United States go bankrupt or Will, you know, we be enslaved by the Russians, or will there not be a thermonuclear those, not war? Not that those aren't things to avoid, right. if possible. Those are 100% things to avoid, but it's not necessarily uh, primarily for their own sake, but in part because may, being on the wrong, the wrong moral side of those questions, uh, you know, really does terrible damage to the witness of the church, mm. as has been seen in the confused response to chattel slavery in yeah. the American South. Uh, you know, we have really, we've really suffered from that. Uh, and or I th the increasingly confused response to abortion from the church. Right, right. And I think that uh, we don't want to... In the gay marriage, for real. Yeah. Uh, I think we don't want to say that, like, uh, the material effects aren't important because they're very important, and part of what, like, makes it a moral issue is that they're real effects, right? If this was just a video game, then it wouldn't be that weighty. But when we view it as a matter of faithfulness, it means the church always has the opportunity to succeed. Um, and it means that we don't have to give in to nihilism when there's no way that we can, uh, you know, actually finally effect our, uh, you know, visions of justice. Because what we're called to do is to be uh, good witnesses to what God would have us do, not to succeed and if we don't succeed then we have failed right uh we fail as soon as we give up uh on what god requires and compromise and uh do what the world asks us to do uh which is always evil so i think that for this reason one of the things that i would say to conservatives is one of the most important principles is to fight against uh pan nihilism and uh and the impulse to say that any corruption in an institution is a reason for destroying the institution and rebuilding mm. it. Uh, we have a good heritage back back in the roots, uh, especially in, on the Protestant side, of not doing that, of 
wanting to reform uh, the church and instead of just blowing it up and then uh, putting it back together. And we have a mixed record on how we've implemented that heritage. Uh, and I think that especially for Americans, um, we're very, we can be very idealistic and, uh, you know, the seduction of utopianism mm -hmm. and central planning even, in a sense, is very strong and we just think, well, we'll just, you know, uh, you know, I, I personally uh, struggle with this, thinking about the GOP, right? Like, Trump is now the GOP nominee, um, and my, my, uh, my membership with the GOP is now suspended. Yep. Uh, but, like, it, there is this question of, like, at what point do you leave? At what point do you just say this ship is so corrupt that we can't stand it? And I would encourage conservatives to think very carefully um, and always put at least one year in, uh, between the death of the ideals in a particular institution and your uh, abandonment of that institution because history, unlike what liberals say, is not linear. No. Uh, ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows. and In the all kinds of different directions. And the providential contingencies that we do not foresee can move our institutions in all sorts of different directions that create new opportunities that we couldn't plan in advance. So I think that... Uh, we need to we need to stay strong on being able to articulate not only the critiques though we need to be able to articulate the critiques because there's lots of critique and without the critique uh, we seem clueless um, but we also need to be able to articulate a positive vision yep. for why why do we believe in democracy and why do we believe in the rule of law and free speech and religious liberty even and when we lose even when we lose. And that's a place where we really have an opportunity to witness. But I think that being able to articulate those positive visions is harder. Um, and this is actually the thing that I think, you know, Russia is, has been trying to do for a long time. It's tear down Western institutions uh, using, you know, the basically the critical method. Um, and, uh, you know, the church has encountered the critical method before. And the response that has been... A failure is the response of compromise, uh, which, you know, the liberal church has embraced and basically uh, is dying and is secularizing. And the embrace of faith and radical belief in the face of, um, you know, the critical method has created powerful churches that have uh, been a very positive witness, um, both socially and uh, individually on a spiritual and level. I would say that one of the, my biggest exhortations to conservatives and Christians in particular is to cling to each other. Mm. Like this is, this is, this is, it sucks, right? Because right. what is essentially happening is we are getting kicked out of both parties. Right. Like I said, we, uh, we've spent, we used to be in both parties. Right. And then we were mostly in one party mm. and now we're not in any parties. Like right. there is no party, I think, that really represents a succinct Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. um, and it, some people would say that that's already been sketchy for a while. Right. And I think they're probably right. But at least there was lip service in the Exactly. Past. Exactly. And at least, and, and it was a place, it was a lightning rod right. where people who did believe this stuff could meet. Right. We could gather um, together. Now we don't have that advantage. Right. And so, and I, like, I really think Trump, Trump is the death knell. Right. The fact that the ideas of the Democrats, the most noxious to Christianity ideas of the Democrats, are now being paraded as Republican ideas, um, I mean, it means it's the death. It's the end. So, it, I mean, at least for now. Right. And so what, let, let them destroy themselves. And, or, I, mean, don't, I mean, don't let them. Tell them not to. Right. But 
you know, but we don't, don't don't become complicit in it. Right. Cling to each other. Keep telling each other what your values are. Right. Keep keep each other strong against the rest of the world because if you stay strong, if we stay a viable community, a viable voting voting block, right. we may become worth picking up again. Right. Um, we be, we eventually a party may change itself to pick us up, and it may not be the Republicans. That's right. It, it may be the Democrats. It may horror of horrors be the Democrats. But they, but they, because it doesn't matter what the party is. Right. The point is the issues. The point is the values. Right. And if we stay strong, then they will come looking for us. And that's the if interesting we, thing about democracy. If we become weak, then we become their slaves. Right. Um. And that, because there, in truth, there is no wrong side of history beyond what we say here. There is only people. Uh, People, sinful people, attempting or not attempting to follow the Lord God. Um, and, And the best thing we can do is attempt to do that. And if we can't do it in politics, because no party represents our interests, and there are still some Republicans down the ticket who do, and vote for those people. For sure. Um, because that'll that's what's gonna keep them alive. Right. Like if you wanna if you wanna get back into a party, vote for the people who represent your values and no one else. Right. Right? Send a message. Mm-hmm. Right? If Trump gets blown out of the water, I guarantee that people are gonna start thinking hard about how because political parties are all about winning. Right. Right? And if they can't win by if they think that evangelicals are the problem, which they seem to based right. on this ticket, um, and they're just going to start hacking and slashing at us. Mm. Fine, go away, right? We'll right. vote for the people we like, and you'll be back. Right. Um, because you can't win without us. Right. They can't. They'll never win without us. Um, and ultimately, uh, our values matter more to us than winning, right. because our victory is assured. Right. Right. right the right. true wrong side of history are those who oppose Jesus Christ. Right. Um, our victory is assured. And the Stick. evaluation of that wrong side of history is up to God in exactly. the eschaton. Exactly. It's not something we need to achieve. We just wait. And it's not, not something we incrementally <laughs> achieve either. Right. We're not post-millennials. It's not something we expect to really participate in directly at all. It yeah. comes, not you know, uh, deus ex, but not from the machine, ex, uh-huh. ex the clouds. Uh, Deus ex the cloud. Deus ex the cloud. Deus ex cumulus. There you go. Deus ex cumulus. Um, But yeah, so I think that with that confidence, all of the uh, kind of uh, all of the pseudo confidence of the Hegelian left uh, that you know believes that they're always contributing to the right side of history. You know, we can have the same confidence without having that arrogance. Right. Um, and believe that we're doing a really good work even when uh, things are not adding up to our material right. success because God has planned out the works for us in advance. And that's his, that's his uh, way of measuring us. Right. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And it, it's that in the sense we can look at politics, we can look at programs, and in a sense say, even you are are in fact on our team. Because even in your depravity, God is using you towards his ends. Right, right. Um, and it's creepy, you know, especially when you talk about like abortion. Right. right? All of the deaths of children, but, you know, who knows? Right. You know, God is in control. We have to believe that. It doesn't mean we don't fight. 
mm-hmm. to try and to try and make a world make the justice over the world that God has given right. us dominion over. Exactly. Right? I mean that we're good stewards of the power that we're given whenever we're given it and exactly. we're understanding But the power we have not been given is the power to bring for. God's kingdom on earth. Right. And any conservative or supposed conservative or progressive who tells you otherwise is a snake oil salesman, a heretic and probably dangerous. So I think this is how millions of people have died, ladies and gentlemen. In conclusion, <laughs> I think at least for me, hmm. the uh, the the way to revitalize uh, any party or uh, especially the Movement. Republican Party and conservatism is to reconsider the religious root of our commitment. And if we find something in our policies or in our tactics that doesn't have an analog in the scriptures, then that should be burned away as quickly as possible because mm. all it is is dead weight and legalism. And this really is our opportunity. I mean, that is the thing. Right. Is that we, like, they've kicked us out. Like, right. we have no reason to care what these people think anymore. So, so now we may is as the well t- experiment. We, we can freely evaluate these right. policies because we're no longer like, oh, well... They agree with us on enough. Right. I right. guess we'll fight the rest of their stupid pagan fights right. for them. We no longer have to think that. We're not in the haze we're, of pragmatism right we, now. Exactly. We're, we're, <laughs> we have no power. <laughs> we're in the can pretty much for just Jesus at this point. And, if that, and that is incredibly liberating. And although it is depressing, uh, it, it means is. that we can actually form some form of political theology. And this is the perfect opportunity to do it. Talk amongst one another and maybe, just maybe, great leaders will rise up among us to help us develop that political theology uh, yes. that we can go forward with. Um, and we can continue living faithfully under God's uh, divine providence. And with that, I think you can, you can go ahead and email us but we won't look at it because the show's over. Um, yep. <laughs> and we never did tweet at anything. Nope. So we didn't. We we failed on that promise. I'm sorry. Um, uh, we can still tweet something before we, this actually may, goes on. Maybe we will tweet something before it goes live. Uh, but I wouldn't count on it. Um, <laughs> but uh, God bless you all. Oh, God uh, bless you. We all. are Christians. Um, Obviously, if that wasn't obvious, and we. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out of your week, uh, whoever of you are out there, right. to listen to our rantings and ravings. And um, if you successfully listen to all of the episodes of The Wrong Side of History, oh we would love for you to email yeah, us. Yeah, seriously. We'd love to know who you are. That would be fascinating. Right? We'll send you a charming, non-existent gift basket. Yep. Um, we'll send you a, a gift. Return email. <laughs> a, a return email. A return email gift with a signed... No. No. Mm, no. We'll just we'll, with a picture. Who knows? Of both of who us. knows what it'll be? It'll be Probably a mystery won't be a gift. <laughs> Probably not. It'll just be like depending Pokemon. on who you are. Yes, um, it'll be a picture of our favorite Pokemon. Yes, um, and and at least one of our listeners will get to marry one of us so, as their reward for listening to all the episodes. <laughs> what so, <a> reward? <laughs> yeah, I know that's the mystery gift. Right. Um, right. Oh no. <laughs> Well, on that beautiful <laughs> note, it's been lovely. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been lovely. What a summer, 2016. And we'll keep seeing and, you. And who knows what uh, the rest of 2016 will bring, uh, but stay strong and stay as on, ever. On, on the, the wrong, wrong side, side of history. history.
side of history.